When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will want one for you. Do you understand your rights? And the wolf is at your door. You're running so This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes, what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And... I'm going to be doing something I haven't done in a long time on today's episode, and that is called a Ask Me Anything. And these are all questions submitted by you lifers. Now, I probably hadn't done this in in over a year, uh, maybe two years. I don't know. It's been a long time, y'all. And I wanted to do it because we have so many new lifers now. And I mean, we, we exploded even before uh, Courtney Coco's story on Dateline. We went to number one in the world, not just in true crime. So we have, you know, millions of new listeners, and uh, people started asking me questions. So we did a post, and I asked for 
questions from you listeners, right? And I got a lot of awesome questions, and uh, most of them are questions I've never answered before. So I'm going to do that today. But I want to thank everybody for liking and listening and subscribing and all that great podcast stuff. And just we're so blessed to continue to be ranked at the top in the world and in true crime. So I'm going to say, I'm going to start with some questions from the app. That's the Real Life Real Crime Community app, y'all. You go download it for free and it has everything that's Real Life Real Crime censored only by me. Uh, it has forums and games and updates on cases and everything else. So y'all go download it and check it out. And this is where I go to first every day when I do social media and answer people before I go to all the Facebook pages. So the first one, Question comes from, I, I, I hope I don't get y'all's name wrong, wrong. Uh, Jillian Witten. And she asks, she says, what you bring up often is how you read someone their rights before questioning them for any reason. Is that something you were taught, trained, or is that something you felt the need to start on your own? That has been the subject of many conversations in my classes. When is the right time to read someone their rights? We're taught that is not necessary unless taking them into custody. But I prefer your method in order to cover your basis. All right, Jillian, that's a great question. And I always say, especially after my years of experience, that any time I came into contact with someone, I would advise them their Miranda rights. And I used to joke to people, uh, yeah when I would drive on a scene and, and I'd go to talk to them say, Hey, look, I'm going to advise you your Miranda rights and y'all your Miranda rights are when they say you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be against you in a court of law. You have the right to attorney prior to during question. You can't afford one to court appoint one for you. And I'd tell to put them at ease. I'd say, look, don't worry about it. Uh, you know, I go to Burger King and they say, Hey, what do you want to eat? I, I advise them and the Miranda rights. Cause I never know what people are going to tell me. So, um, Jillian, the, I was actually taught that in the academy, you know, especially if you're going to be questioning someone about any type of crime. Um, but as my career advanced and old detective Chuck Watts, especially when I made detectives, he's the one that I got that from. Um, and, you know, it's the right thing to do, but because you never, want any statement that someone makes to you challenged by a defense attorney and, and try to have it thrown out saying, oh, well, well, he didn't advise them in the Miranda rights. And then I'll go back to the David and Christina Constance case when she came into the office that day and they said, hey, um, the, this lady wants to talk to a detective. And, you know, before I could even advise her, I said, go ahead. And that's when she said, my husband made me sleep with my, I, I think his 16-year-old nephew or whatever. And before I could even start to advise her, Miranda Rice, that's when she came out and said it. And he made me, in her words, suck my seven-year-old's penis. And then I was like, oh, stop. And then I advised her Miranda Rice, right? The, um, I would advise you if you 
come into contact with anyone, you respond to a call on the scene or whatever. It may be witnesses. It may be uh, a domestic violence call, and you separate the parties. And before you even begin to talk to them, advise them of the rights. You can't go wrong with that, right? The worst they can do is say, well, I want a lawyer. And then at least you covered yourself. But if they turn around and say, well, I shot him or I did this or I did that, then you can use it against them in court, right? And use it as your probable cause to make an arrest. So uh, I definitely, you can't wait. You know, they, they're teaching you that it's not necessary to advise on the rights unless you take them to custody. Uh, no way. They take it from an old hand me that you should use that in abundance, right? Use it. I mean, even if it's you don't get anything out of them or they, and they're not a criminal, then you're not hurting yourself, right? Next question is from my boy Joshua Ebar. Now, Joshua is a huge lifer. He's always in the app and, and responding, even on the crew page and everything else. He answers a lot of y'all's questions. So I'm going to answer yours, Joshua. And Joshua says, hell, I'm going outside the box on this one. Would you rather be a boss of a crime family that doesn't get arrested or killed or a sheriff that never has to get reelected? Ooh, Josh. Well, I'm a huge mafia fan. Um, I studied it. And, I mean, even growing up, I was fascinated um, by, like, you know, the – the Teflon Don and and Al Capone and everything else. Uh, so would I rather be a boss of a crime family that doesn't get arrested or killed or a sheriff that never has to get reelected? Uh, the younger Woody would have been the boss of a crime family that doesn't get arrested or killed. Um, I think there's a fine line between uh, a really great cop and an, a really great criminal. And, and I think the best cops could have been the best criminals. <laughs> and Josh, I'm going to leave it at that. The But that lifestyle has always fascinated me. And, you know, really, other than being murdered and stuff, um, it was really hard to catch anybody in the mafia until the RICO statutes came out when they started prosecuting them, especially, um, you know, the mafia traditionally didn't like to deal in drugs because they knew that if a person got busted for drugs, one of their family members got busted for drugs, that um, they would be looking at such time that they would, you know, rat and, and to get out, get out of the charges. So, but of course, that all changed as years went on, and, and that would ultimately be the fall of the original mafia, right? So, thanks, Joshua. I appreciate you, bro. So, William Guild says the shooting of Ralph Yarl. There's a lot to unwrap here, but I'll just ask you this How does a kid showing up at the wrong house on accident get shot, and what do you think should happen to the shooter? Uh, he says, I don't have enough information on the interaction, but I've seen you've heard the story. William, I have heard the story, and then a lot of different uh, cases come to mind and uh, to me on this. When I was a, a teenager, it was Halloween night in central Louisiana, and there was a foreign exchange student who uh, thought he was going to a Halloween party, and he went 
up to the house and the lights were off on the porch and he thought that was you know like part of being spooky or whatever he's banging on the door and the homeowner shot and killed him and it was a big stink it was a big ruckus at the time but you know what the homeowner didn't have a Halloween party going on. There was nobody there, and he's got some stranger banging on the door. Uh, basically, the kid was cutting up, you know, and, and I mean, it's a sad, it's a tragic situation, but the homeowner feared for his life, and he shot and he killed him. And I think, I think he got like probation or something. Um, the, so if you show up at my house in the middle of the night and, and you're banging on the door, I think you're trying to kick my door in. Guess what? I'm going to shoot you. Now, the Ralph Yar thing, the the I don't know all the specifics. I do know I don't think that he was being acting in a threatening manner or whatever, but you know, you have a right to defend your home and to defend yourself and in you know, if you shoot someone, no matter if I arrived as a detective on a shooting scene and even if it was a self-defense case, guess what? You still got arrested. I brought you in, and you were getting arrested. They could be breaking your home or whatever. I was going to charge you, at least with manslaughter, and let the district attorney drop it down. So that's that's what's going to happen in this case. They they've got to look at all the facts, and in the ultimately the district attorney is going to have to make that decision. So, but you know what, William, it's it's happening more and more all the time. Um, so I don't know what the answer is to that to to stopping it. So. All right, Cindy Lozer, longtime lifer, she asked, have you ever had contact with a sovereign citizen or a First Amendment auditor? Now, y'all, if you don't know what a sovereign citizen is, they are uh, people that are living in this country who do not agree uh, with the federal government because they think the federal government has already violated the constitutional uh, their constitutional rights or the Constitution, and they believe they are protected under the Constitution from having to submit to any unlawful rulers, right? So the sovereign citizens, they do stuff like they'll uh, give you fake names. They don't believe you have to give driver's license or register vehicles and all this stuff. And, uh, and there's a lot of them out there. Uh, and they, you know, they, that's a very real deal, um, and most of these people are what I call kind of call uh, zealots, and and they firmly believe in what they believe. Now, does it make it right? No, the um, the courts have taken these people to you know prosecute these people over and over again. Ultimately. The uh, the more they prosecute them, the more the, the sovereign citizens feel like um, their rights are being violated and that they're correct in whatever action it is and not complying with officers or whatever. Uh, me personally, I have not come into contact with one, but I was aware of them. I was trained on them in case I ever did. So great question, Cindy. I appreciate you. All right. So... Um, Dalton Voss, okay. Dalton asks, speaking of bringing drugs into jail, have you ever heard of Sheriff Raymond Martin from Galatian County 
double life plus what he received. Uh, Dalton, unfortunately, I, I've never heard of the case, uh, um, and I didn't have time to look it up before I did this episode, but thanks for your question. I appreciate it. M. Laura, uh, L-O-R-A-H, Porsche, I would assume that's a good, strong Louisiana name, said, if you could interview any serial killer, past or present, who would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. The Laura, Laura, we're assuming that they're actually going to talk to me and didn't lawyer up, uh, and and I could interview them and find out exactly everything. I would have to say unequivocally, it would be Derek Todd Lee, um, because. There are so many. I believe he has so many more bodies on him. And by that, I mean he killed so many more people that he hasn't been charged with. That, I mean, I just, I would be fascinated to get inside his head and know exactly all the crimes that he committed and the the violence of the crimes and where where the rest of his victims are, so we could bring him home to the family. Um, Derek Toddley is truly, truly a monster. You know, where like Sean Vincent Gillis, the other most famous serial killer from Baton Rouge, he was just a sicko, right? I mean, Derek Toddley was a sicko, no doubt about that. And he's in hell now, I can assure you of that. But I would want to know um, exactly how he lured his victims because most of his victims were educated you know, well-to-do women, right? Or Sean Vincent Gillis killed mostly high-risk uh, victims, um, prostitutes, et cetera. Derek Todd Lee kept getting victims in Baton Rouge, even though every female in the area, and Baton Rouge, he even got one here from um, um, uh, from Denham Springs. But the every woman in the area knew there was a serial killer operating and it had been broadcast and you couldn't get by a pistol, you couldn't get any freeze plus P or any tear gas or, or mace or whatever. I mean, the whole area was in a panic, but yet Derek Todd Lee was still able to abduct and murder. And there are some that are still missing. We know that. And, and it's believed that they, that, um, he killed them. There's just, just no evidence to prove it as far as DNA, et cetera. Great question, and I appreciate that. All right, so let's go to Jenny Wyatt. Now, Jenny Wyatt is from the Golden Triangle, Triangle in Northern California, and she has been with Real Life Real Crime since the very beginning, y'all. She was one of the original lifers. She's a moderator on the crew page, Real Life Real Crime um, crew page on, on Facebook. Uh, she's just absolutely a love and one of her dearest friends. But she asked, why couldn't the jury members in the murder trial have notebooks? Great question, Jenny. Most people don't realize and during jury trials, when they give them instructions at the beginning of the trial, after they seat the panel, uh, a jury selection more commonly known as voir dire, the judge tells them, you are to listen to the witnesses and make your own decisions, and you can't write anything down. You cannot have um, 
take notes or, or anything to refer back to later. You have to use your own memory. Now, when they go back for um, jury deliberation, Jenny, they can ask to see certain pieces of evidence, but believe it or not, you know, I, I don't know why other than that's just the way it is. I mean, that's, that's the rule of law. They cannot take notes um, during the trial. And I don't know if that's because there's like me and the Courtney Coco trial. And I sat there every day and I had to shorthand my notes to keep up with all the witnesses and the questions from, from um, Hugo Holland, the prosecutor and, and the idiot LaCour for David Anthony Burns, the defense lawyer. But the, if, if they're, Taking notes, they may not be as fast as me, and they're going to miss out on something. I don't know, uh, but but that's that's been the rule as long as I've ever been a part of law enforcement. All right, thank you, Jenny. We love you. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love that. You sound like, it's that time of year, though, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this, and you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astapro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those roads, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more health issues with the dog's joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step -step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Now, my dog, Phoebe, is the queen of our house, and I can tell you that her health is extremely important to us. She is a part of our family. I watched the video, y'all, and I was amazed by the things I didn't know that could impact your dog's health. This 20-minute video is packed full of tips that I've already started with my dog, Phoebe. I'm noticing more energy, 
healthier skin and coat. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com slash R-L-R-C and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash R-L-R-C. So the next question comes from Amy Rylan Bruce. And, oh, never mind. She just answers Jenny Wyatt. She said, Jenny Wyatt, I'm not Woody, but it was up to the judge as GS 15A-1228 provides that unless the judge directs otherwise, jurors may take notes. Judge directs otherwise, jurors may take their notes into the jury room during the deliberations. Well, Amy, I've never heard of one. Um, uh, I've never, I've never seen a trial where anybody was able to take notes, but I'm sure you, you have knowledge of that. So, but um, thank you for that response. So Beverly Zebert says, hi, Woody. I would like to know why you retired. Also, if you were approached by Hollywood, would you turn your podcast and TV into a TV show on ID. Beverly, great question. Okay. The, the main reason I retired was, uh, because I had my private polygraph business when I was with Louisiana state police. That was part of my deal for going over there. Um, I had, you know, that's how I made my extra money. And I had the same deal with the sheriff when Livingston, when I worked, with him, as long as I didn't do a polygraph case that directly conflicted with the case we were working, then I could I could uh, do it for defense attorneys, right? And so, um, the I got called in into internal affairs, and what was the first case? The the I thought you know one of the guys from internal affairs, my office was right outside the internal affairs section came and got me. He was a friend of mine. And I thought he wanted to, you know, me come to his office to talk about hunting or football or something. And he said, can you come over here? I was like, yeah. And so I go in the internal affairs section and I'm walking towards this office and there was an interview room on the left. And he says, no, I need you to come in here. I'm like, what? And I go in there and he read me my police officer, Bill of Rights, which anytime a police officer gets questioned about anything, um, you, you, they, they have to be read their police officer rights, not just a Miranda rights. Now, they didn't read Miranda rights because it wasn't a criminal complaint. But what happened was, um, I think it was Jasper Brock, the defense attorney, or Glenn Westmoreland. It was one of the guys I'd been doing work for forever in Livingston Parish. And I had done a polygraph for them, and it was on a case out of Ascension Parish, and it was a theft case or something. And the, the, I passed the guy on the polygraph. Uh, uh, no deception indicated, and I turned in the report to the attorney. Well, the attorney had a new secretary, and when she typed up their report and sent it into, I think it was Gonzalez Police Department, sent it into to their guy, it, she typed Louisiana State Police Investigator and Polygraphist Woody Overton. Um, says, you know, this guy's not guilty or, or what have you. Well, this guy's pissed. And, and and the supervisor was pissed. He's like, what in the hell are state police doing coming in on, on our case and defending this guy? So he called in and made a complaint with internal affairs. 
And they brought me in and questioned me about it. And I told them immediately, I said, listen, this is a mistake. They showed me the report. I said, this is a mistake. I've been doing it for them forever. I've known this attorney for like 15, 20 years. No, I think maybe 20 years. I said, you, my formal statement is this, call them, call the attorney and ask him what should have been said in that. And they did it. And unfortunately, y'all, this is one of the things I hated about state police. The, the um, when you bring in an officer or, or an investigator or a cop, and you want to question about something, they drag these freaking investigations out. And uh, you know, I think they have a, a timeline, however long it is. But they, if I was in internal affairs and I'm working a case on a cop, you better believe that's going to be my shit hot priority. And I'm either going to clear him on the bus's ass, right? Well, they drug this some bitch out, and it was easy as a phone call. And then they called me back in and said, "Hey, you've been exonerated. This is non-founded." The attorney said, "Absolutely, the girl. She knew that you were with the state police, but she didn't know that uh, you were an acting in a state police capacity." And she put that in there, and I didn't read the report before I signed it and sent it in. So I was exonerated on that, right? And I, but I had the red ass about it, to be honest with you. But and I told them, they said, Well, you're exonerated. And I said, Well, guess what? I said, You'll never, ever bring me in this interrogation room and question me again like a fucking criminal. And I, I said, I, I promise you that I'll, I'll retire myself before that happens. Now, I already had my 20 years in y'all, so I could retire whenever I wanted to, but it was hard to give up the money I was making in between the lieutenant and captain's pay and the hours. And, you know, it was the security of the job because my kids were still in school. My wife was a school teacher and all that. But yeah, I was making good money in the um, private polygraph business. And listen, it wasn't even like 10 days later and they came and or they called me over internal affairs and, sat me back down in that same room and sat me down in the same room and they um, read me my rights. And, uh, and on the police officer bill of rights, they read you your rights and they say, uh, you consent to question. And, and I said, uh, you know, will you sign the rights and consent to question? I signed the rights part that I understood. And I said, what's this about? And they said, Alexandria Police Department, no, Rapids Parish Sheriff's Office had filed a complaint saying that you went to polygraph a guy that was locked up in the jail and that you had your state police badge on and your state uh, police issued firearm on and that you drove your state police car up there and all this shit. Well, guess what, y'all? It wasn't true. The deal was I went on my day off. I went in my personal vehicle. I did not have a badge or a gun on. Um, at the defense attorney that I was working for, when he called, I said, you got to get me. A, I said, I always ask him, I said, is the guy locked up or, or are they on the street? And this guy was locked up. And I told him, I said, you got to get me a court order from a judge as a private citizen, not as a cop, to go in there and do that. And they did it. The defense attorney got the court order from the judge. I showed up with the court order. They, he called ahead of time, talked to the warden and everything else. Well, I went in and I tested the guy. The problem with that was, y'all, I already had some history with the Rapids Parish Sheriff's Office, and I'm not going to go into that detail. It, it, 
the it was something that knowledge that I had uh, about something bad that was being done, so they knew who I was. But the detective that was working the case, the the defendant had a sister who was like a dentist or something out of North Carolina who was paying for the polygraph and all that, and she had called or he called her and she said, "Look, I got a." polygraphist is coming in he actually works for the state police but he's he's an independent polygraphist and he's coming in as an independent and he's going to polygraph you and he heard that and he had the red ass that i was coming up there because they don't like me anyway and they still don't and i don't give a fuck but the um he called internal affairs and said that i came up there and badged my way in and all that and i didn't i never identified myself as state police so then when they told me that and they said you you want to answer questions i said hell no i said but give me about five minutes and i'll be right back and i uh, walked out of internal affairs i went to my office and i signed typed out my letter of resignation and i came back in and I sat down, I gave him a letter of resignation. I said, I'm not answering any questions. You go do your job. And I'm sure it's going to take you a while to do it, but you go do your job. And here's my two week notice. And on the day, my, my last day, getting ready to clear out my office, they called me over there and say, Hey, you've been exonerated. We went up there. You know, we, you were on camera. You weren't in uh, your state police vehicle. You didn't have a badge or a gun on. I said, my fucker, I already, no, I didn't. Right. And I said, I'm not fucking stupid. And I had the red ass y'all. And I, uh, they said, well, the colonel wants you to stay on. You know, please, uh, you've been exonerated on this. Can you withdraw your letter of resignation? I said, fuck, no, I am done, period. And so that's why I retired. Um, and then my polygraph business morphed into um, me getting certified in all U.S. federal courses and expert witness in law enforcement matters. And then I would end up traveling the country um, doing high-profile defense cases. And I made a lot more money and stuff. And then then I started the podcast, and COVID happened, and here we are. So great question. I, I'm a little long-winded on that one. So let's roll with the next one. Um, let's see. Chantel Marie Cole says, what are the laws in Louisiana regarding holding evidence for an unsolved murder? And what happens if all the evidence is lost? Can anything be done? Chantel, I want you all to know I have not read these questions yet. I don't have any preconceived answer what I'm given. Okay, it's raw and unscripted. Chantel, I don't, I don't know what the laws are. Uh, um the I don't think there's an actual law where you have to hold such and such for a certain time frame. I could be wrong on that. The uh, um, but I I think you know like I used to have them hold evidence in cases like rape kits and stuff like that, so they could be tested at a later date if we developed a suspect or firearms. It would be sent to the crime lab to see if they were could uh, be traced to any other shootings or murders or whatever. Um, so I. I this is you know you're asking about for an unsolved murder. I would you, I don't know about the law. I could tell you that I would hold on to all evidence. Period. Uh, um, in case, especially I mean, if it's an unsolved murder, you're really going to hold on to it in case you have to revisit it and use evidence uh, from information you develop later on. And if it's murder that's being prosecuted, then it, it's going to be held. Um, 
for for court reasons. Now, as if if the evidence is lost, then I, there's nothing that can be done. And a lot of times, cases will have to be dismissed uh, if it's going to trial. As as far as if you're asking about like a civil suit or something, I, mean, I guess you could see. I, I don't know what to do about that. But there is a company out of Dental Springs that, that I did an episode on called Pad Tracks, and they have a new ingenious system that's getting implemented in most departments, uh, bigger departments in the United States, where they can track the evidence uh, real time and see where it's at. All right. So let's move on to Dawn Champagne. She says, have you thought about helping in the case of the missing Lyft driver, Ella Goody in Scott, Louisiana? Dawn, I, I know, definitely know about Scott, Louisiana, and I know about uh, Billy's Boudin and Don's Meats and the what is it the corner stop or the one stop or whatever that you know scott y'all if you ever going through scott louisiana it's right i'm on the other side on the west side of lafayette stop in any of those places have some of the best boudin and cracklings in the world that you can get but sweetie i unfortunately i am not um i am not familiar with this case so i can't answer that all right so the next one is from Donna Smith Hughes Driscoll. She said, my nephew was shot five times in 2018 in Shreveport. We know who shot him. What would you do if the DA wouldn't do anything about it? Question marks. We believe there's corruption going on since a man's father-in-law is an attorney. Um, Justice for Jason, we would love your help. Okay, Donna, if you... Everybody has to answer someone, okay? And if you believe the district attorney is not doing their job, uh, I'm not saying that this guy isn't, uh, I don't know, you know, the the facts of the case. But if you believe the district attorney is not doing their job, especially because of corruption, then you need to call the, the Louisiana Attorney General's office and report it okay everybody answers to somebody even your district attorney and your judges so um the state police are not going to come in unless it's requested by another law enforcement agency but the louisiana attorney general's office does oversee um things like this i mean you could go to the fbi but they're going to tell you to go to the louisiana attorney general's office so um next question lisa passerek says, which podcast do you have the most fun on? I guess, uh, I guess you're talking about Lisa. And, you know, I did Scorch Justice and have this show, Real Life for Crime. Um, I have Bloody Angola, and we have Real Life for Crime Daily. The I have fun on all of them, Lisa, or had fun in a different way. Now, Scorch Justice was more uh, serious, and but I had fun working it because I like to go in and get my own spin on things, if you will. Uh, Bloody Angola, Jim Chapman, my co-host, and I have an awesome time on that one, and I love it because you know we tell the the worst stories from the prison to the most uplifting. 
and it's so interesting. And I love history. Uh, so I, I really love that one. And of course, you know, real life for crime is my baby, right? And I have fun with lifers, especially with crew bash and all that. But I would probably say now the show we started in January, Real Life Real Crime Daily, which is co-hosted uh, with Mike Agavino and Jim Chapman. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I have a lot of fun on that show. And I'll be recording after this. I get done recording here. I'll be recording uh, two more episodes today on, on on that show. But we cut up. You know, we, we talk about a lot of serious crimes and stuff like that. It's the most current stuff that's going on. But we have segments like uh, I do the uh, – kinky sex crimes section and they stole what and you know but we just cut up i never know what i'm gonna say uh, and of course jim and mike are more serious than me and um mike's funny in his own way uh I, and jim's funny in his own way and i, I think jim a lot of times like oh my god what's what he gonna say next and mike's trying to get me to quit saying fuck so much or the F-bomb, but I'm working on that, but not really. Uh, so probably as as far as just fun and, and, and I mean, crazy fun, uh, real life, real crime daily, Lisa. Thank you for your question. Now, the next question comes from Missy Jewel. Missy Jewel is a, a dear heart. Um, her son Reese um, was an organ donor, and y'all know Lopa, Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. A lot of y'all may not know this, you new lifers, and we have such an influx, and we're growing so fast and being number one and all that. But she asked, Missy asked, but Missy's son, Reese, um, was an organ donor, okay, and he's a hero. And Missy's got on stage with me the last couple of years of the crew bash for the drawings and uh, this year at the crew bash one of Reese's recipients um, of, an, of an organ was actually uh, in the crowd he came to the show and Missy Jewel and Shane McBride are also doing a YouTube channel about uh, Lopa now and they do shows and they interview people and you know the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency is my jam but Missy's question is why do you love Lopa? What is your jam? I know, but who else knows, especially the newbies. Love y'all. So newbies, Lopa is a Louisiana organ procurement agency. They're a nonprofit. They um, sign people up, and then if you know if this unfortunate event happens like Reese's did where the person is still alive, uh, by machines and they're going to unplug them. Basically that they'll go in and harvest the organs and uh, give organ transplants to other people. And, and why do I love Lopa? I had an 18 year old homicide victim years ago and she was in the ICU hooked up to the machines and Lopa was there Um and I was interviewing family members, stuff like that. And of, I think five of her organs went to different recipients, and they 
were able to live. And one of them, believe it or not, her heart, I believe, went to a neurosurgeon out of California, and he's still alive today, saving other lives, right? So when I started with Real Life Real Crime and Lori Steele, who is the absolute dear uh, – and, and she's, I think, like the spokesman for Lopa. And um, we got to talking about it. She's also, I think, the public information officer for the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. And she has such a passion for Lopa. And we got to talking about it. And I had had other cases over the years. And then um, we just got hooked up. And I decided, you know what? I have this massive platform. And if I can end every show with Lopa and we raise money for Lopa every year, y'all with the raffle tickets and stuff like that. And if I can use my platform to save one life, then it's all worth it. That's why Lopa is my jam. So if you want to be an organ donor and you're from Kentucky, you don't have to be from Louisiana to go sign up, go to Lopa.org and fill out the form takes like two seconds or two minutes and become a hero, right? The, um, so many people are dying waiting on organ transplants. And you know what? they Y'all, they do a lot of other stuff too. And they, they do studies and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, what I learned from Missy Jewell is that LOPA, um, and I had seen it before, but I never really thought about it until this year when she talked about it at the Crew Bash. They really, oh, and another lifer and dream team moderator had someone, and I'm not going to tell about it, that that um, passed this year, a family member, and they said that Lopa came in and absolutely were awesome. They were amazing and giving the family support um, and getting them through that tough time and everything. And, and she said, Woody, I wouldn't have known about Lopa had it not been for you in real life, real crime. So that's why they're my jam. If we say we'll never know how many lives are saved or, or blessed or what kind of studies they can find cures for or whatever. And I don't do it uh, for the recognition of the people that are blessed. I just, and, and we'll never know how many people are blessed by it. But we just do it because I believe it's the right thing to do. Do you guys know what May 12th is? Sunday, May 12th? Mama's Day. That would be correct. It's Mother's Day. So let me ask you, do you basically get your mom the same gift every year for Mother's Day? Maybe some flowers, some chocolates, awesome. maybe a robe or a framed photo. Right. Boring stuff, right? Right. Well, let me tell you about something that's totally cool and different from Mother's Day that will never wilt, spoil, or put an extra 10 pounds around her waist. I'm talking about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty unique. Cool, right? Right. Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. Your mom can either type a response to the email or she can record her voice if she prefers cool. to do that, or she can do both. Cool. And mylifeinabook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book as well as an audiobook. And if you want, and she's up to the task technically, you know, the audiobook is a is a great extra thing to be able to do. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your future generations can treasure. 
Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is kind of your chance to give her a way to share them. Every family's a little bit different. And in my family, we love to give each other a really hard time. So I've taken the approach in doing this of asking my mom to comment on some of those family moments that might be a bit embarrassing to other family members. Last week, my question was, mom, did you feel guilty that day you hit me over the head with your wooden clog and dad had to take me to the hospital for eight stitches? (laughs) Mom's response, back in the day, I was the disciplinarian of the house, and when you were eight years old, you refused to get out of Nancy's, that's my sister's, plastic kiddie pool. I told you 10 times to get out of the damn pool. You didn't listen, so I chased you around the yard, and when you slipped, I nailed you right on the head. That was the last time you got in that kiddie pool. Of course, Dad had to lie to the ER and tell him that uh, that you fell on your head, but I nailed you good. The entire process with my life in a book is simple. And in the end, mom will have a great keepsake that can remain in your family for generations. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code RLRC at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code RLRC for 10% off today. Hey, y'all. My wife's biggest struggle this past year was fighting the symptoms associated with menopause. Hot flashes, mild mood swings, and sleeplessness. She had them all until she tried Hormone Harmony. She was amazed at how much Hormone Harmony reduced her symptoms and supported her mood and her general well-being. Hormone Harmony is not just a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause. It's become a phenomenon. Women cannot stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it. But it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, Poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. Occasional bloating and gas. No desire to be in bed next to someone, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code RLRC at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RLRC for 15% off today. All right. So, um, again, I have not read these questions. Here we go. Uh, Colleen Kelly Calliette says, I just listened to the episode with Christina Constance and the parole hearing. Do they ever ask the investigating detectives to be present or give their opinion? I know that law enforcement isn't judge and jury, but like you showed in that podcast, she hedged the truth and admitted the pertinent detail that you picked out. Had you been there, you could have made that point name. Colleen, that's a great, great, great point of view. And uh, um, let me think about this for a second. Uh, I know since, since they started doing these parole hearings uh, uh, via – Zoom or whatever, luckily a Skype. Um, I've watched several of them, and 
Usually there is a representative from law enforcement there and that will say, hey, my sheriff um, ejects to this person getting out or whatever. But then they still hear all the other people and the factors and it could be family members and it could be victims. And that that's a big deal, too. Um, the they don't ask them to be present. OK, I've never been asked to be present at a hearing, but I could tell you there's some people that I want to be notified. And when I'm notified that they're coming up, you know, the horrible crimes they committed, they're coming up and they get in there and they do a little song and dance like Christina did. And then if I get to tell my part, I'll tell the real truth. And I've done it and they've been denied. And I, there's some sickos out there that I promised them I will be at every parole hearing that you have until the day that I die. And if I die, then I'm going to make sure the sheriff or whoever, you know, your next parole hearing two years later, then somebody will be there to say what the evil piece of shit that you are. Um, Colleen, that's a great question. Thank you. So let's go to Toby Fontenot, and I haven't read these, y'all, so here we go. Dear Woody, first I would like to acknowledge that your duties as a man of integrity on behalf of the community and followers from all of all over America are raising awareness, and it is my firm belief that this path you have chosen is your true calling. Your service to lead by example is appreciated in prayer hands. My question for you is what type of help is available for people who suffer from mental illnesses if they are incarcerated for attempted secondary murder? What type of help is available for them besides imprisonment? Thank you in advance. Ooh, Toby. Wow. I have so many different stories I can tell you about this, right? Toby, unfortunately, a lot of, of murderers, do you suffer from, I'm not saying all by any means, y'all, but a lot that I've dealt with suffer from some type of mental illness. Um, the the first thing they would do is, you know, ask for a competency hearing and they send them to the mental hospital, uh, criminally insane, uh, I guess that's the correct term. It used to be called that, criminally insane mental hospital, in, which is outside of Jackson, Louisiana, and they... Uh, all they do is interview them and, and their professionals that, that establish them whether or not they can assist in their defense, whether they, whether they were legally insane when it happened. Um, most of them, you know, that are, get sent there do have some type of, of illness, but it's, it's not to the point where they can't assist in their own defense or they weren't aware of what they were doing. Uh, as far as, mental illnesses and once you're incarcerated holy shit I, I mean if there's i know there's programs if you will and they they try to keep some of medicaid and stuff like that but i'll tell you this the when i was working corrections and i had two admin seg tiers and two uh, working cell block tiers and I, I would sneak down the tiers a lot of time it's try to catch people doing stuff right and um I was sneaking down an admin sect here, and I heard this guy, and he was a Cajun. He had a heavy Cajun accent. He was he was saying, I couldn't see him, and he couldn't see me. It was, the cells are on one side, and you can't see 
I mean, even if they're standing at the screen looking to the left and right, they can only see like a foot or two. But he wasn't even at the screen, but I heard him saying, Hawk, you're in federal waters, uh, U.S. game warden. I got you eyes for shrimping, illegal shrimping. You illegal shrimping, put your hands in the air. And da, 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 da. So I, I peer around the screen, and this dude's in his, in his boxers, state-issued boxers, and he is literally like hallucinating. He's seeing, he's acting this out. He's not acting crazy. He is crazy, right? And, then, and um, and you know, I I said, hey man, and he was like, uh, I'm busy. I'm 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 arresting these people. And da da da. I mean, that that's pretty commonplace. It, um, shit like that. And I don't know what the answer is. I know that. I used to pass out medication with the nurse every night at nine o'clock, and a lot of them were on like Thorazine and a different type of um, mental health medicines, if you will. But they, I mean, they when you get sentenced to the Department of Corrections, they classify you the um, and you know if they there's any history of mental illnesses, they they do the best that they could do, I would guess, in getting you help or trying to keep you medicated so you don't kill other people or do whatever but but i don't know what the um specific type of help is involved other than that the department of corrections i believe does the best that they can do but you, you have to take in the flip side of that is you get a lot of um inmates in there who try to act like they're crazy to for appeals or they would just want the good dope uh, um to knock them out at night like thorazine or whatever so really interesting question. Y'all, I have so many more questions. I'm, I'm scrolling between the different pages where these questions were asked. So I'm going to try to fit in a couple more. And this hours are going to be almost up. Um, this is going to be the last episode of season 13. And I guess maybe I can end every season with one of these ask me um, anything question, you know, episodes because I have literally hundreds and hundreds of questions. I'm barely scratching the surface, but let's continue. Miss Valerie Wilson says, and I have not read these y'all says no question exclamation. Just want to say I'm a new follower after seeing you on Dateline. I've been looking for a new crime podcast. I'm so excited. I found yours. Your love. And I really do appreciate you. Uh, I mean, and please continue to like us and share us. And, you know, that's how, Valerie, over the years we've grown is just by word of mouth. And then we got blessed with the, um, going viral on TikTok. And, then, of course, Courtney Coco's case of what is such a tragedy, um, but a great story on a family that never gave up. And I'm excited that you found us, too. All right. So next question, Brittany Thomas and Brittany, I had never seen Brittany spelled this way. B R I T T A I N Y. Thomas says, Why are only a few crimes ever taken seriously? Mm. I, Brittany, I don't I really know what you mean about that. Um, you know, every situation is different. Uh, um, certainly, and it's unfortunate, but certainly the more hope, more high profile the victim the the bigger response it's going to get and that's just the way life works um like you know a a missing uh well-to-do white 
lady, I'm not being racist, y'all, white lady is, is going to get more attention than a missing prostitute, right? And uh, one, because it's what I call an ape, an acute political emergency, and they're going to, you know, the TV, if they get any kind of media attention or whatever, then the law enforcement agencies are going to try to put more pressure to solve it and, and take it serious, I guess. Uh, um, that's unfortunately the way the world works. But the, but you know what, Brittany, I never took, uh, especially like homicide victims and stuff like that, or rape victims or whatever, I never, as a law enforcement professional, took one crime of like that less seriously than another, not just because of who they were or whatever. I believe a, a person that lives a high-risk uh, lifestyle doesn't deserve to be murdered any more than a billionaire, right? So uh, I don't know if I answered your question, sweetie, but thank you for asking him. And we'll go to Taylor Dorsett. Has there ever been a case that had a positive outcome, like someone missing that was found alive, et cetera? Taylor, golly, you just reminded me of one. Um, oh, was it America's Most Wanted? Uh, um, I actually, you know what? I, I'm going to say that for an episode. They, yes, there have been uh, positive cases. I can tell you a lot of them. I, I, I'll give you an example. One just popped in my head. It was. Um, Summertime, it was almost getting dark, and these three young boys had not come home, and they'd been missing for like they were supposed to be home like at noon, and they were last. They said they were going fishing down this creek, uh, bass fishing, waiting down. It was not navigable by boat, so they had to go way down into whatever. And so we, you know, put out everything, and they wouldn't have a helicopter time, and and we ended up finding those guys. Um, and you know another one and I think of a guy had went deer hunting and he never came in and we had to search all through the night etc and we actually found him uh, hanging out of his deer stand he had failed but he had a restraint on but he didn't have enough energy to or strength to pull himself back in the stand and he was he was in bad shape but he was alive um the so yeah we you know a lot of people they get reported missing we would find and stuff like that but unfortunately you know obviously there are a lot that were murdered um so i hope i answered your question taylor all right jackie torres uh have any stories that pertain to or have anything uh, do i i guess she's she says have any stories that pertain to or have anything to do in north carolina jack i said I assume you mean, do I have any stories? Um, mm, I get Jack, I get requests from all over the United States, uh, like especially since the Dateline came out, that um, f- for people asking me to assist them with their family's cases. And I think I had like 80 in two days uh, after Dateline came out, which is a lot, y'all. And you know, people just ask me, hey, can you know, they'll Facebook master me and say, hey, can you help with John Joe that went missing in in 1979? Uh, And I'm like, 
Okay, I don't know every case that ever happened in the history of the world, right? But that might be out, out, out of North Carolina, Jackie. And so I respond to him. I say, please. And y'all take note of this if you're listening. If you have a case you want me to look at, no matter where it's at, or how old it is, um, email me at Woody, that's W-O-D-Y, at Real Life realcrime.com when you email me put the name of the case put any links to the case that you have in there uh, if you have the whole case file and you want to submit it to me put it in there okay because I get you know these one liners or one paragraphs or some people people write a page worth of stuff and never tell me where it happened at and I have to respond and say please email me at woody at real life real crime.com with any information, and I promise you this, and I, and I'll say it now, and I'll back it up. I will read every case that's sent to me. I cannot promise that I'm going to uh, work every case. Certainly, right? This would be impossible. I, I could work every day for the rest of my life and not uh, have the cases that have been submitted to me thus far. But maybe. I'll cover it on the show. Maybe I might work it, or maybe when what I do that most people don't know, uh, 70% of the people that reach out to me that have information, et cetera, I, I might just read the case and, and, and call them or respond to them and say, hey, they can look at this and this and this, or unfortunately there's nothing you know that I can help you with or whatever. I will respond to you. How about that? I will read it. And I will respond to it if you give me some information. You can't just say, you know, um, have you ever heard of a case from Plymouth, North Carolina, uh, um, from 1989, and not give me any more information. So if you have a case out of North Carolina or anywhere else, email me, woody at reallifereallcrime.com. Name of the case. All if you got links, because uh, I'm not. I don't have time to go Google every everybody that sends something in. Right? If you got links or um, information, whatever, just give me as much information as you can, so I can read it. Okay, the ones that have the most information, I'm reading, and, and uh, logically, those are the ones I can give my opinion on, or maybe even decide to work it, but. Jackie, right now, I think I had somebody message me about one out of North Carolina uh, yesterday or the day before. But I, y'all, the I have like six different Facebook pages. You know, the Real Life Real Crime uh, crew page, the Real Life Real Crime Lanyap page, a regular Real Life Real Crime public page, um, Woody Overton public page, Woody Overton private page. I've got Overton Publishing. I've got all these different pages, right? And so I spend 8 to 12 hours a day on social media, and that's the truth. I try to answer every single person um, that asks me something or makes a comment uh, um, about something or whatever. And that's how I've grown the fan fan base over the years. And people love that personal attention, and I'll always give it to you. Look, I'll hold my phone for hours a day and the first thing I want to wake up in the morning and have coffee a couple hours and in the evening times at least a couple hours and 
you know, a lot of times during the middle of the day, just whenever I can, I get on social media and I try to answer everyone. But here's the problem. The, especially like after going viral and stuff, the people are sending um, these questions to all these different pages. Well, I only have so many hours in a day and I'm going to the real life, real crime community app first. Okay. That's where everybody can go download it for free. And they, they, you can message me there. You can you know, do make comments in the forums there and whatever I'm answering those first. Then I'll go to the crew page, which has almost 40,000 members in it by itself, right? Then uh, if I have time, I'll get to these other pages. Well, each one of them has a message section. So, uh, I, hell, I just found out about the message section on uh, the app last week. And I had messages from the from since the app had been <laughs> developed. And, and I had to make a post about that. But, y'all, if, if you want to message me, you can go message me in the app or make a comment in the app in the feed, and I will answer you, okay? If you have a case, um, like uh, Jackie's asking about out of North Carolina, then email me. If you have information, email me, woody at reallifereallcrime.com. And when I get to it, and believe me, I got a shit ton to read. When I when I get to it, I will give you some kind of response. All right, uh, y'all, we're hitting an hour. Um, I'm gonna take this last question, and then what I'm gonna do is go ahead and, and do another episode for this, but I'll save it for like the end of next season. Um, this was from Sean Riddle. Sean's been with us forever. He says, "Do you still call the ones who join your life?" Or, your lifers. How do you do that when there are so many joining? Well, Sean, I think that's a great one to um, answer to, to end this episode with. The lifers, y'all, are what I call my fans, and it's a play on words, right? I, I, and you know, I, I like to think I'm pretty creative when it comes to stuff like you go to our Patreon, um, all the different tiers are named after crimes like disturbing the peace or harassment or vandalism or whatever. Um, you go to our subscribers in the app, um, all the different tiers are named after um, prison jargon, right? Like death row and admin seg or working cell block or what have you. So I always like to come up with stuff, you know, I, I most people don't know that I've written two books. I like to write on I like to think uh, of of different stuff like this. And in the beginning, I was like, you know what? We'll call my fan lifers because it has to play on word, you know, because, oh, I, they had a national article that they did on me and they called my fans uh, cult-like. And, and and I'm like, well, we'll call them lifers. And, um kind of could be a play on prison word like if you're in Angola doing life you're, then you're down for life and then whatever I just liked it uh, but yes anybody who listens to the podcast and is a, and that is a hand is a fan uh, I affectionately term them lifers and I always will and if you see even in the crew pages like 40,000 members on it and my TikTok jumped from like 300 to 15,000 members now and my Instagram has I don't know 8,000 or something like that and it, all these pages have 
you know, 20, 30,000 uh, lifers on them, et cetera. Um, on the crew page and in the app, I, I welcome all new lifers. And when they got so, to be so many, Sean, that like on the crew page, um, I think it's one of my Karens, one of the moderators does it. They'll list, uh, it might be Christine Hernandez. I don't remember. One of my dream team moderators, that's another affectionate term I have. The They'll list, um, when we get so many new ones in, they'll list them uh, all, you know, say we want to take a moment and welcome all the new lifers and they'll list all the names, right? And then a lot, y'all have shown, I've seen you do it, lifers, Go in, everybody, all the lifers are welcoming the new lifers, saying, Welcome, welcome, welcome. And I'll go in there and come in and say, Welcome, all you new lifers. I appreciate you being here. Right. So, the, you know what? I wouldn't have a show. I wouldn't have any of these shows if it wasn't for the best fans in the world. And the best fans in the world are lifers. And the people that tell me, Oh, you got to quit doing so much social media. You're too big now, and you can't answer everyone. You need to hire someone to answer uh, all these things for you. I'm not doing that, y'all. If 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 I'm too big to answer everyone, then I'll answer as many as I can. But I'm not hiring somebody to be a fake motherfucker and and say what you you know. I'm just not doing that. That's not Woody Overton. Now you'll see that if you. you on these Facebook pages and stuff, if you send the message, uh, you'll get an immediate response that says, thank you for your message, blah, 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 whatever. Um, Woody will get to you as soon as he can. Now, those come up, but I still ultimately will end up going back and answering every one of them unless you're saying, go fuck yourself, Woody. We hate your guts or whatever. I don't answer those. The and, but that's that's it. When it end this, ask me anything, and y'all have so I got pages and pages and pages of questions. If I didn't get to your questions, I apologize. I promise you, I will get to them on a future episode of Ask Me Anything. And this is going to drop um, this coming Tuesday because I'm going to shut out season thirteen, and the following Tuesday. On regular real life crime, real, uh, y'all remember this: that real life, real crime daily, and real life, real crime are both on on the same feed, is what we call it. So, real life, real crime daily. If you're scrolling through the feed and you want to listen to episodes and you, you like real life, real crime daily, and you don't like what I'm doing now, the daily shows are going to start with R L R C daily, then the date, and then the titles. Okay, the show like I'm doing now is going to say RLRC original and then the title, right? Like this will be RLRC original. Ask me anything with Woody. All right. And running a little over time. I, I guess, you know, I had so many responses because we have so many lifers now. Um, but I want to tell y'all, I love and appreciate each and every one of you. Get a chance go leave us a review on iTunes. The um, the it helps the show, and and I never dreamed we would go to number one, much less maintain that those top positions. I mean, seriously, y'all, think about it. The the today I think we're number four and number one. 
is Dateline. <laughs> and then all they do is take, oh, and, and the number one downloaded episode in the world today is Dateline, Who Killed Courtney Coco? Isn't that ironic? So it's Dateline, uh, um, Criminal, and then Dateline, The Girl in the Blue Mustang, and then us today. We're number four in the world. So the we're up against the biggest production companies and all that. And, you know, these people pay lots and lots of millions of dollars for advertise. I mean, to promote their shows and stuff like that. And we're just us. We're going to keep doing what we do, not changing anything. Um, love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. Go like and subscribe. Y'all, if you subscribe, then... You automatically, when the new episode drops at midnight on whatever day it is, now we're dropping four days a week between the daily and the RRC original, you get notified. It automatically gets sent to your device so you never have to miss an episode, right? And uh, Patreon and Convicts, you the, the paid subscribers, I, I just released a uh, episode, bonus episode for y'all last week, I think on Saturday or Sunday, uh, called... Um, OG, I think, was it OG Road Partner, OG, whatever it was. It doesn't matter. It, you just got your new bonus episode. It's a little bit different. I think y'all enjoy it. The, um, you know, you get your commercial free early releases where you get to hear all the boom gems where I F up when, when I'm recording or I have to stop and take a sip of my tea or whatever it may be. Um, but thank y'all for your support. We couldn't do the show without you. You're absolutely phenomenal, and we love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. Y'all, Bloody Angola, go check it out. It's, I mean, I love Bloody Angola. I think it's fascinating. It rose like 22 spots in the ranking last week also. Um, like and subscribe at Real Life Real Crime Daily. Y'all leave us a comment. And, and uh, or TikTok, holy smokes, go watch that thing. I didn't know I had even had a TikTok. I knew that they were taking drunk videos of me and stuff and over the years and putting it up, but we're putting, trying to put up something new on TikTok every day. Instagram, uh, is real life, real crime. Uh, um, and all the other good podcasts or shit I'm supposed to say. And I already talked about local in this episode, but be a hero, go to local.org, sign up, be an organ donor. And, I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crown, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Yeah, the rights remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? When the wolf is at your door, you're running so that's for sure.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.